This is New England Patriots running back and three-time Super Bowl champion James White. You're listening to the Two Minute Drill. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Minute Drill podcast. I'm Adam, and I'm joined by Kevin Dan. And guys, the draft is finally over. The Patriots got their quarterback, and on this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about that and all the other draft picks. But before we dive into anything else, Dan, I'm coming at you quick right here. Uh, draft night after the Patriots selected Mac Jones, you were not a happy camper, and you had a lot of bad things to say about him, and I want to know how you feel now and if you've gotten over that. So tell me what you're feeling now, buddy. No, definitely, and I'm not going to backpedal or go into any sort of spin zone here. I mean, I was down on Mac Jones throughout this draft process, obviously. Now that he's our quarterback, I'm rooting for him. I hope that I was, you know, completely wrong and that he's just like an amazing quarterback. But yeah, I was pretty upset. I really wanted Justin Fields. I didn't think he'd fall past Denver at nine. Then he did, and we still didn't grab him. So that was tough. But after the draft, we do see, you know, obviously Chicago gave up a ton to get him. If Bill was cool with getting Mac Jones, he's not going to give up our first round pick next year to go get fields and hop up whatever it was like four spots. Um, and then even on top of that, uh, you had Minnesota at 14, they were taking fields if he fell to them. So we would have had to hop them even if he, you know, didn't get traded to Chicago or if we wanted to go into a bidding war, you know, Minnesota could have been making offers too. So depending on how desperate those teams were, uh, you know, the, the price to get fields could have been really, really high. Um, and I said it to you guys right after the pick, you know, I was disappointed with Mac Jones, but with what was on the board at 15, top three receivers gone, Micah Parsons gone, even, you know, like a solid guy for the offensive line, like Vera Tucker gone, all the other quarterbacks gone, our real best option. If we hang at 15, like, I guess we could have grabbed like Zaven Collins or Kadarius Tony, like. Both of those kind of feel like reaches to me. They're not anything that I think is going to raise the ceiling of this team if Cam Newton's our quarterback. Um, so really, it was just we got to either trade back or take Mac Jones. Um, and I think you might as well just draft Mac because, you know, if he can turn into something, we actually have a really good roster. Whereas if you keep Cam as good as the defense gets, as good as the weapons get around him, I think he's always going to hold us back a little bit. So. I wasn't thrilled, but I'm definitely starting to come around to it. And it's not like it was a bad pick, like you said. Um, I am one that was the biggest, probably the biggest Justin Fields guy. Um, and I'm kind of disappointed myself that I, like, you know, fell that much in love with Justin Fields because I didn't even, like, look at the possibility of other quarterbacks. That's not what you do when you're in love with someone. Um now that it makes so much sense when you look at it from like the outside perspective of it that Alabama quarterback Nick Saban guy Nick Saban Bill Belichick Alabama's offense is more pro ready and I just think the biggest thing with Mac Jones was when people were deciding like if he was going to go at three like it was a knock on the 49ers not because it was Mac Jones it was a knock because you traded so much with Miami to get up to three that it was such a waste of like trading so many first round picks to get Mac at that value when they probably could have got him at 12 if they really wanted him. 
I think that the 49ers really did want to take Mac, but with all the pressure that they were getting, yeah, I think that was uh, what Mike Lombardi said. I think they felt too much pressure to go just get not get an athletic quarterback at three. But overall, it's the right choice. I mean, you have Cam on that one-year incentive deal. Cam's obviously not going to be the future. You have an offense built around two tight ends. You're going to be doing a lot of play action, and that's basically what Mac Jones did at Alabama. So I know Dan's not too excited with it. I was a big Fields guy, but at the end of the day, when a quarterback that's going to go in the top 15, top 16, falls in your lap, guys won a national championship, Regardless of who he was throwing to, the guy still was throwing some pretty much starts. So I'm a fan of the Mac Jones pick myself. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Kev. I think now that the draft's over and we're looking back at it, I think the pick makes a lot of sense. But I will say you did a really good job of convincing me that Justin Fields is going to be the guy. And I was pretty let down on draft night where Fields started the fall. Everything was kind of falling in line. And then you saw the Bears trade up, and that's when our hearts broke and we knew it was what was about to happen. But a guy like Mac Jones, man, I, we're on the record for saying some bad things about him in the past, whether we don't like him for whatever reasons. But now that I've seen more people like Evan Lazar do film breakdowns and stuff, he is really pro-ready. He makes great reads, and he looks like he'd fit really well in how McDaniels like to run, run his offense and his schemes. And like you said, we have Cam Newton right now, so there's no real rush to put Mac in unless he actually wins the job. And the team is built for a young quarterback right now. So it's kind of a win-win situation for the Patriots and – at the end of the day, I feel like Mac Jones fits the Patriots for the future better than Justin Fields would. I would not go that far-fetched with that statement. I mean, we still need to see them go under center before we can make any judgment with that. Um, but looking at the draft altogether, I think every quarterback hit their like best landing spot. You know what I mean? Like from scheme fit to how the offense is going to be run all together. I think every mm -hmm. quarterback hit their best possible destination. And then just a quick question for you boys. I know it's early. I know we really haven't gotten into it, but we did talk about this along the podcast before draft night is that you boys have been convinced that you don't think Bill Belichick will start a quarterback, rookie quarterback week one. But now that it's what they say is the most ready guy in Mac Jones, and that's the quarterback that we got. Do you think week one, no injuries, do you think Mac Jones is under center, or do you think it's Cam Newton? I think it's Cam Newton. Um, I think no I doubt Mac coming. Jones, no doubt Mac Jones is going to take over the role at some point this year. There are some people that think we should set him for a whole season. I don't really like that idea at all. Um, you know, obviously – I don't think it's the type of thing where Bill Belichick is like, I'm drafting Mac Jones, and then Cam is like 100% the starter. Like, I think he's going to be a little lenient if Mac comes out and, like, has an absurd training camp. Bill, I don't think that he'd, you know, just put Cam in there because he already said he was going to. Like, I think Mac Jones can still change his mind. But for the time being, I expect Cam Newton to be the week one starter. I said it when Mac Jones was drafting. I expect Cam to start probably the first two to three games. You see it a ton in the NFL. Um, really, I think what it will come down to is just Cam starts until he loses um, or just has, you know, a really bad game. The only exception would be if he played like a Seattle-type game where he was amazing. He was like clearly the best player on our offense and we lost to a good team close. But, you know, if he comes out early in the year and loses to, you know, Houston or 
barely gets by the Dolphins or, you know, whatever, throws for barely over 100 yards with a couple turnovers, he'll be on a short leash for Mac Jones. Yeah, and it's been obvious. Right after we drafted Mac, the first thing Belichick was saying that it's Cam's job and Cam is still our guy. So Mac needs to win this job, and that's really obvious. And I think the safe play, I agree with Dan here, is to probably throw Cam Newton out there for the first few weeks of the season. Because I feel like Kraft and Belichick, they kind of, I don't say I think they owe Cam another try, but I feel like they want to give Cam another try with a new offense now that he's healed from COVID and another year in the system. But at the same time, I kind of am a believer in just throwing Mac Jones in there week one and let him let him just get the rust out, let him learn the NFL, let him make his mistakes early on so it doesn't happen later on in his career, you know. But at the end of the day, it's Bill Belichick, and I expect him to go with what they're going to think will make them win immediately, and I think that's Cam Newton as of right now. All righty, so I have a few takes on this. I might be able to swing your opinions a little bit different. I might not. But going into camp, right, I think that last year we saw the Patriots offense now run first. Obviously, you have to do that when you have Cam under center and you don't have much weapons. We do know that the Patriots, they kind of like that play-action offense. They like, you know, having it be 50-50. And I think that what they're going to do is they're going to have one offense because if you have Cam start week one, you're going to run an offense that best, uh, best suits Cam. And that's not what's going to suit Mac because obviously their playing styles are different. So I think that Belichick offense, what they want to run, obviously it's going to be heavily towards what suits best for those two tight ends. And they're going to say, this is the offense. The best quarterback who can run this offense during camp is going to win the job. And I think that's when Mac, it's going to suit Mac Jones's um, strengths and it's going to be Cam's weaknesses. So I do think by that, I think Mac will end up winning the job. He's a smart guy. All he has to do is learn the playbook, and I think the rest is going to help him um, on the field. So I think that's one big reason why that Mac's just going to start week one. I just don't see Cam winning that job unless Cam can just completely change his style of play to fit the Pats offense, but it didn't work last year. Don't see it working again this year. And I think also another thing, too, with Mac is you want to play good in November and December. So if you play Cam, say, like, you know, like first few weeks, he does okay. You're like three and two. Cam has a bad game. You're not giving Mac a lot of time to knock off that rust because you want to win in those big games. So I think if you're going to go Mac, you're going to go Mac week one. And I don't see Cam getting replaced by Mac if Cam starts week one. I just think that's way too much for the new guys on the offense to learn to completely revamp your whole offense to suit the quarterback. Mm -hmm. You do make a really good point about the offense and stuff. And the way I think about it too is uh, you got to think before Cam last year, before we kind of changed that offense around Cam to fit his skill set, the offense is we've – we've grown up watching the McDaniels, quick play action, quick reads, quick throw offense, three-step, five-step drops, get the ball out quick. And that's what Mac Jones thrives in doing. And that's kind of why I mentioned for the future between Mac Jones and Justin Fields, I like Mac Jones for the future because that's what McDaniels does. We saw last year when he tried changing up the playbook, and I know Cam had issues with his arm and his weapons, but it just didn't look like Patriots football. I didn't like it, man. I missed the quick surgical offense of a quarterback, which is why I'm very excited for Mac. But, Kev, you make a great point. It's going to be really hard to switch between these two style of offenses for each quarterback. Yeah, I mean, for me – I'm not really going to have a huge problem either way. I do expect if Cam Newton's the week one starter, you're going to see most Patriots fans 
lose their minds over that. Um, and you're probably going to see another group that'll do the same if Mac Jones is the starter. Um, you know, the Spike King will be upset either way because he's a Stidham <laughs> guy. But, you know, it, I, I don't really think we can go wrong there. There's there's good arguments for both sides. If Mac Jones gets out there right away, as you said, Kev, it's a little bit more of an opportunity for him to learn and grow. And that way, you know, by midseason or if we're making a playoff push, he's fully ingratiated into our offense. You know, he's made the NFL jump. He's kind of starting to figure things out. But, you know, if Cam's in, it clearly means we think Mac Jones should take a back seat for a little while, learn the offense better before we throw him out there. Um, and I, I'm just going to trust Bill here. Mm-hmm. I think when Bill had that press conference that um, Adam referred to when he named Cam the starter, I think that is just saying that, you know what, we're not going to say anything about Mac Jones. We're not going to put pressure on this guy. Because if you leave it as an open competition, then you're kind of saying that, oh, yeah, well, he didn't win the job. You draft him in the first round. There, All the pressure comes in from New England. So I think Bill played his cards right, as he usually does. Um, naming Cam the starter. Back. He even included Stidham in there. Like, come on, guy. Like, we've seen what's going to happen with that. You don't back at 15 and leave the door open for Stidham. I think Bill's just playing his cards right. And I'm just very glad overall that Belichick, before the offseason started, me and Dan, solo podcast on a Sunday. And it was right before free agency. And I said, I really hope that GM Bill proved everybody wrong in the way that the offseason went. They got all valuable pieces. And then GM Bill has been getting shit on the last few years for the way of his drafting. And I think this was his best drafts that he ever had. So shout out to Billy for ignoring the noise one year out of Brady winning the Super Bowl and making this team a contender and making it going to be a fun team again. I agree. I agree with the draft. Uh, We had a lot of good value picks, I'd say, especially in the early few rounds. And before we dive into the rest of the picks in the draft, uh, just to add on to the value of Mac Jones, it's not like we traded up to go get him. And that was the rumor leading up to the draft that we had the groundwork laid out with the Panthers and other teams to make a trade up. And it was just really nice that he kind of just fell into our laps. It was almost like Bill kind of realized like that was going to happen, even though the saints were knocking on the door, trying to get in front of us to get him, which makes me feel even better about Mac knowing that Sean Payton liked him too. Yeah. I would say that definitely makes me feel more confident. Same as, you know, how much Shanahan liked the guy. Um, And I agree with what you said there that, you know, if we had traded up for Mac Jones, or if we had Fields and Jones on the board and we took Mac Jones, I'd feel a lot differently about this draft as a whole. But we sat at 15, we let the board play out, and, you know, someone who potentially was Bill Belichick's, you know, top quarterback that he was looking at in this draft just fell right into his lap. So before we go into the draft picks and we continue on, there's one thing that popped in my head really quick because if Bill was really trying to, you know, he was talking with Denver – Carolina, Atlanta, trying to trade up. And if Fields and Mac fell, do you think the whole time that Bill was trying to talk with those teams to see if um, Trey Lance didn't get picked by the 49ers, if Bill was going to go with Lance? Is that, you know, is that a possibility that maybe the Bills guy was Lance and that the fact that the 49ers selected Lance, that that just ended all of his talks of trading up? Uh, I think you're kind of going somewhere with that because I just think about our opportunity with Fields. And if 
we really wanted Fields, if like we all thought we did, and all the rumors that were coming out that even Vegas had the betting odds of Fields going to us was the top the top bet. So I feel like if we really did want Fields and had our eyes on him, we easily had a lot of opportunities to go up and trade for him. So I think you make a good point, a good argument with that that maybe Trey Lance was the other option there, and it wasn't Fields as wasn't as much Fields as we thought. Um, honestly, I'm not really gonna act like I knew what he was doing. All the rumors before the draft were fields. They were all that we were trading up to get him. Uh, we took the gamble to not go up with Atlanta. Took the gamble to not go up with Detroit. Not go up with Carolina. Let him fall all the way to Denver. He still gets past them. And we still didn't make a move up. So I think that those fields rumors were probably just an attempt to drive Mac Jones' price down and Justin Fields' price up. Um you know, but I could be completely wrong there. Maybe we tried to make a trade, couldn't get it done. So I don't know what kind of interest we had in Trey Lance. Um, but I would imagine that, you know, it's pretty likely we could have known he was going to San Francisco at three. Mm-hmm. And one more thing before we move on. Uh, one of the most important, if not the most important thing, uh, being a quarterback of the Patriots is your ability to process information very quickly. And that's what Mac Jones is so good at. And that's what Justin Fields apparently struggles with. So mm-hmm. putting those two and two together makes me really think that Mac Jones is probably the guy all along. Cause he just, like we keep saying, he fits the Patriot system and fits the way we like our quarterbacks. Yeah, definitely. So moving on here after all that Mac Jones talk, obviously the draft goes on. And in the second round, we grabbed Christian Barmore defensive tackle out of Alabama. Um, you know, the consensus Number one defensive tackle in this draft. Definitely my number one defensive tackle in this draft. Um, I'm a big Notre Dame fan, so I watch this guy absolutely slice through our offensive line anytime he wanted to. This is an offensive line that just had three starters drafted in the first three rounds of the draft. So clearly there's something to that. Um, what do you guys think about this pick? Kev, you want to go, Ben? Adam, I'll let you get your thoughts out All first. Right. All right, I'll let you uh, get your thoughts out first. I think overall, I forget what we traded up for him, but this was great, great value. It was a guy with a first-round mark on him, and he kind of fell to us in the second round. We obviously need some help at defensive tackle. We saw our running run defense last year wasn't the greatest, but he's a, he's a great pass rusher. I saw a stat from PFF that he was the highest-rated pass rushing defensive tackle over the last two seasons in college football. So a guy like that who can come in, get after the quarterback, he's really good with his hands if you watch his film, and he's pretty athletic for his size. So all in all, I think it's a great, great pick at 38, and it's really good value, and I'm really excited to see what he can bring to our team. So my take on it was you traded two fourth-round picks, and I did say this on a podcast that I did bring up to you guys that how many of those later-round picks are you really going to – or draft picks are going to make the roster due to – the Patriots, you know, so much money and having a lot of veterans on the team. You didn't know how many was really going to be there. So the fact that you did, you know, you traded two fourth-round picks. Uh, Barmore did fall. I didn't think he was going to fall all the way to 38. I don't think anyone did because I know some people's mock, not mocks, on their draft boards that they had him in, like, the top 12, top 15. So, and it was an area of need. Another, you know, Alabama, Nick Saban connection. So I think Belichick will uh, 100% trust Saban, so I think that it was a really good pick in an area of need. That D-line is absolutely stacked now, so it just shows even more that Belichick absolutely hated getting run on last year. So I think it was another solid pick for Bill. 
Yeah, I like the pick a lot. Um, I mean, the guys we grabbed in free agency, you touched on a little bit there, Kev. They were pure run defenders along that defensive line. Uh, Davon Godshow or Godchuck, however you pronounce that. Henry Anderson, even Montrevis Adams. They were Stop. all ranked <laughs> ranked near the top as far as run defense. Um, but that was kind of the only thing they did. Christian Barmore is a very interesting defensive tackle because while he can defend the run like almost any other DT, um, he gets to the quarterback too. So I think it's going to create a nice blend where you can have, you know, if we're staying in a in a 3-4, you can have Lawrence Guy and, I don't know, maybe Henry Anderson along that defensive line providing the run defense. And then you can put Christian Barmore in there getting some pressure in the backfield. So I think it's going to work out really well. But, you know, one thing I will say, looking at – the guys we have along our defensive line now, that room is getting real crowded. Um, you know, you've got Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Davon Godcho, Henry Anderson, Montrevis Adams, Byron Cowart, not to mention, you know, some of the practice squad guys who were getting the reps at the end of the year. So I'll be really interested to see how we end up dwindling that group down by the end of training camp. Christian Barmore seems like a... Uh kind of like a Vince Wilfork 2.0 in a way. Guy can do it all. And I think that guy, if that guy can show out in camp, he might be a, a day one starter right next to Lawrence Guy if you're going to go in some 4-3 uh, sub packages. But obviously we know that the way this defense line is going, they're stacked. They can go 4-3, they can go 3-4 any single week. And I think that the way Bill handled this draft and offseason now – Pat's defense is going to create so many question marks for offenses. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be going to be interesting to see who makes it, who doesn't, because you know, it's like what Dan said last week when he was trying to do his 53-man roster that he has like 62, 63 guys making the roster. Like that's a good problem to have. Definitely. Definitely. Definitely yeah. Adam, you got anything else on Barmore? Uh, just I just really like the way our, our uh, defensive line room shaping up, like we were saying, especially compared to last year where there was a good amount of games where we were just getting run over and over and over on. We couldn't stop the run. I think specifically I remember the San Fran game. I think we were having some issues with the run defense. and it Miami really, game. Miami too. Oh, my God, that sucked. That was just – I'm – that Rams was really frustrating. Was the, the Rams was the, the Rams, worst. Cam Rams, Cam Akers pretty went bad. Crazy I think Miami was worse just because, like, Tua couldn't throw at all. So it was all they could do was run, and it didn't matter. Still and I think it was – I believe it was also – I remember hearing, like, days later on, you know, WEI or maybe saw it on Instagram. I think it was, like, the only time in franchise history that the Dolphins have had, like, two different running backs go over 100 yards in the same game or – something along those lines. That one was real tough. And there but... wasn't even their starting running back either. Yep. Yeah, which makes it even worse. So, so I'm just I'm really gonna, happy. Dan, I'm going gonna... to cut you off because um, I'm going with the third. I'm going to go with the third round pick. Go Ronnie for it. Perkins. This is my favorite pick. This guy fell. This guy fell due to being suspended six games for smoking weed in his college dorm room. Like Dan told us earlier i didn't know that it was in his dorm room but you know guys just trying to get a little bit high before college football game nothing wrong with that <laughs> there's no character concerns with this guy this guy can play he's a down lineman he can play on the edge i feel like it's sometimes you could actually use him as a line. i think this guy is the most versatile defensive lineman that we're going to end up having and i think that if this guy legit just 
he proves what he can do, I think he's gonna he could be an instant starter on this team. I think this guy has like a Trey Flowers vibe that he can do it all. He's tough. He's physical. He's just a monster. If you watch his film, guy was in everyone's top 50. Pat's got him at 96. Such a steal. Guy yeah. was coached well. My favorite pick was Ronnie Perkins. Definitely a good pick, like you say. Another really good value pick by Bill. And like you say, very versatile. He can line up on the edge. He can rush the passer. He can even drop back a little bit and not play coverage, but just to kind of play the edge of the field. And a good thing about him, too, is there's not a lot of pressure for him. I know you say he could come in and be an instant starter, but with guys like Judon and Ben Noy and Winovich and Josh Ushay in front of him, he's got a lot of guys to learn from. And there's no real rush to get him on the field, especially with this guys I just named in front of him. So a really exciting pick, and I think another great player that Belichick can take some time to develop and make him into a stud. Yeah, I agree with you, Kev. This is definitely my favorite pick from the draft. It's the only A-plus grade I gave. I mean – Pats really just couldn't go wrong here. We were all rooting for a receiver at 96. Um, but I think when we saw Ronnie Perkins taken, you know, I don't know how much you guys knew about him. But for me personally, when I saw that we took him, I was like, oh, shit, he's still on the board. Like, I, I had just assumed that he was I forgot. The second round. I didn't know he was on the board either. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I remember, I think I remember texting you guys like immediately after, like, it's not a wide receiver but this is a really good pick. This dude was supposed to be like a second round lock. So I love the Ronnie Perkins pick looking at some of the stats here. He was the only defensive lineman with 90 plus grades in run defense and pass rush in 2020. Perfect blend for us. Um, I think we can really use somebody that can get to the quarterback. And another thing I really liked about him, I don't know if you guys were looking at his Twitter at all during the draft, but he was getting pretty upset when he was sliding down the boards talking about, how he felt so disrespected, you know, he would just tweet out like LOL after a different defensive end got drafted. You know, this is a guy who watched like 12 or 13 DNs get drafted over him. And, you know, I'm glad that, you know, hopefully he's not going to just feel bad for himself and, you know, come into training camp and come into his rookie season playing with a chip on his shoulder. The good thing about this draft, and I think the Ronnie Parkin just basically sums it up, that the Pats went into this, obviously, with the offseason. We know what they made for moves. But they didn't have a lot of positions that they definitely needed. I know there's talks, you know, you're going to get a quarterback. Obviously, the one pick that we the position that we needed was a quarterback. So I think after Matt going at 15, I think that board was wide open. And I think they basically just picked on who's on the guy and I think Ronnie Perkins was a perfect example of he's there on our board he's up there we're gonna go get this guy and I think it was just a perfect move yeah I mean once Mac Jones went off the board really our only you know big pressing need left was probably wide receiver and then I expected us to grab something on our defensive line so once you grab Barmore I don't know about you guys but when we took Mac in the first round, I kind of knew as perfect as it would be to now grab him some weapons. I knew that we weren't going to focus too much on offense because we had invested a first round pick into it. So I think we we're really just going best player available for the rest of the draft. And, you know, it showed as we had probably one of the better drafts in the NFL. Definitely. And I will say that we probably were in the hunt for a cornerback at that time as well. But mm-hmm. most of them at that range were already off the board. So Ronnie Perkins, that pick was a great selection. All right, moving on to the fourth round. 
this is where we went back to the offense. We grabbed Ramondre Stevenson, running back out of Oklahoma. Funnily enough, funnily enough, uh, him and Ronnie Perkins got suspended for the same thing when they were teammates. Uh, they served their six-game suspension together, uh, so I'm sure they're going to be best of friends in Foxborough. Hopefully, they've got somebody watching out for them. But Adam, I'm going to let you start here. You're the big Sony <laughs> Michelle fan. Uh, I don't know, man. How are you feeling after this? I okay. I don't like the pick, but not for the reason of the player. It's just for what it means for Sony Michelle. And obviously, we saw that we didn't pick up his option. So the writing is on the wall for Sony to be out of New England after this year. So it really hurts my heart. I don't like it. But, you know, it is what it is. You've got better running backs behind him, and I guess that's what it's going to come down to. But this guy, Stevenson, man, he you watch his film, he's big, he's strong, he's pretty fast. He, he looks kind of like a mini LeGarren Blunt kind of player. And I think following Sony's departure from the Patriots, which is pretty obviously going to happen after this year, I think he can step into that role and be the, the big bruiser running back that we've kind of been searching for since LeGarren Blunt has left. So I like the pick, especially in the fourth round, and – I'm excited to see what he can bring to our team, but man, Sony, I love you, man. Adam, you're lucky that Dan um, let you take it first because if he handed it to me, you were going to get ripped a new one. Um, <laughs> one interesting thing that I like to say that Adam said that when he said that Sony Michelle is probably not going to be a Patriot after this year, I don't think Sony makes it through training camp being a Patriot. I think that. The big thing with Stevenson, and you got to remember that they do have Brandon Bolden and J.J. Taylor on that roster as well, is that those guys can play special teams. Stevenson can play special teams. Um, Edelman did uh, Stevenson. I don't know if you guys saw that, just saying that playing special teams on the Patriots is so viable, so don't get upset. But it's like the most important thing, and Stevenson said noted. So Stevenson knows that his role is probably going to be a special teamer. Sony Michelle does not play special teams. Therefore, that running back uh, group is stacked. Um, I do think that Sony is going to be on his way out. I think you might be able to trade him for like a seventh round pick, sixth round pick maybe. Um, so hate to do it, you, Adam. But at this at this point, I don't think that you're going to get value, especially for a running back. We know we've talked about it numerous times about how running backs. They're not that valuable. You can just get the next guy in. So I'm sorry, buddy, but Sony's going bubba. Dan, before you go, I just want to say, can we start calling Sony Super Bowl champion Sony Michelle? Let's put some respect in this guy's name no. before he's gone, okay? Because no. he is he is Super Bowl no. champion, six touchdowns in twenty eighteen playoff run, Sony Michelle. Okay? Let's put some let's put can, some respect. Right, so you can put you you can put an asterisk next to that. You could be like asterisk Trent Brown, Joe Tooney, David oh. Andrews, Shaq Mason, and Marcus Cannon, and oh. Gronk and Dwayne Allen. Super hey, Bowl. And, James Devlin. and James Devlin. Don't and James Devlin. for James Devlin either. <laughs> Scored Every six period. touchdowns in the playoffs with, with that Pats offensive line and that blocking. Hey, no, someone I had mean, to run through the hole, right? Come on. I mean, he had an amazing 2018 playoffs. Um, I don't know that we make that Super Bowl run without him. He was really a big reason that we were able to get by, you know, Kansas City and the Chargers in those games before the Super Bowl. But, you know, after that, he's really never lived up to the same expectations. I agree with you, Kev, that I don't know that he makes the roster this year. Um, I really don't think we want to cut him if any trade offer is made to the Patriots, I think they're accepting it very quickly. Um, and, you know, as much as it sucks, considering that 
you know, last year the rumors were that maybe he'd go to Philly for like a fourth. Um, I agree with you that in all likelihood, it's probably going to be like Sony in a seventh for a fifth, something along those lines, just because, you know, he's a running back coming off a couple down years. He's on an expiring contract. It's just not like a very valuable position. It's right after the draft. So you had a ton of teams just draft running backs. Um, there's no teams with like major, major needs at the position. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough for Sony after this, but for Mondre Stevenson, I think it was a great pick. I expected us to grab a running back in this draft just because of how heavily we were tied to some of the free agents like Leonard Fournette and Chris Carson this offseason. Um, you know, White is only back on a one-year deal. He's probably heading out. It seems like J.J. Taylor's maybe his successor. Damian Harris is our running back, one of the future. Um, and it seems like Ramondre Stevenson is kind of going to be you know, the power back to play alongside him. He's gotten a lot of LeGarrette Blunt comparisons since being drafted. Very big dude, and I'm really excited to see what he can add. And I think to yeah. add to that, I don't know if you guys heard um, cop sirens, but that was the siren of Sony Michelle's exit out of New England. <laughs> so I do apologize hey, least, for that, but that could hey, have been a, least... come at a better time. That was just like bye bye Sony. But the if thing that's is, the right, case, Adam, at least I feel, a police I escort. Listen, I feel for you, but I think the big reason why it hasn't worked out and it's not going to work out is because it's yards after contact. That's the issue with Sony, and I think that's why the Pats are going with Harris. It's because you can get a hole. You run through that hole, but Sony gets caught. Damien Harris breaks so many tackles, and I think mm-hmm. that they're expecting that with Stevenson. I think Stevenson will be a you know, a goal line guy like if you want to draft Stevenson late in the rounds in fantasy maybe hop that guy hope that guy just is like a Larry Garrett blunt get some six points off fantasy something like that kind of yeah. like the Mike Gillisley role in a way but I do this together though we'll like have like a service when Sony gets traded we'll hang out we'll you know we'll talk <laughs> about it we'll watch Sony highlights and everything will be a-okay you do make a good point about that, though, is there really hasn't – we've never really seen a Sony second burst when he gets into open field that we see with Damian Harris. Like with Damian, you see him break through a tackle, he's 15 yards downfield, and he turns into, into a different gear. He shows that he can probably probably break away from some of these guys. But with Sony, there's really only one speed, and if he's hit off of his hill, then he's just going down pretty easily. So I guess, like like I said earlier, the writing's on the wall. It was a great run for uh, Super Bowl champion Sony, and I'm just proud to have his Georgia jersey. <laughs> shut up all right moving on to the fifth round pats grabbed cameron mcgrone linebacker out of michigan this is another guy you know similar to perkins and barmore he was expected to go higher um his fall made a little bit more sense though he's coming off an acl tear uh people have said that it's likely he's just gonna spend this season on ir personally i think that has as much to do with the injury as it does with our roster and specifically our linebacker group just being loaded right now. I think we just went best available. We knew we could stash this guy on IR, bring him up next year. But, you know, this was another great pick. What do you guys think about it? Honestly, this is kind of one of my one of my favorite underrated uh, drafts from, uh, draft picks from us. I watched a little bit of his highlights and some of his film. He's really instinctive and he's really quick as well. There was a couple plays where he was on the goal line and the other team was running and he filled the other hole really quickly and was able to get downfield and meet the running back in the backfield. 
And with a guy like Dante Hightower, who's 31 years old and has some question marks going into this year and about his future, I think a guy like Cameron, what's, how do you pronounce his last name, McGrone? Cameron McGrone. Yeah. I think yeah. a guy like him could really take that role down the line in the future. And like I said, he's got great instincts. He's fast, and he kind of fits the version of the NFL we see today with all these fast running backs and fast quarterbacks out of the backfield. So I'm excited to see what he can bring. But like you said, he is injured, so it'll probably take a year to see him. So I would personally be lying to you boys if I said that this was a good pick or a bad pick because I didn't really, you know, see this guy playing his college days. I did watch film on him, obviously. Basically, Adam touched on it. He's just like a fast linebacker, you know. He plays with 100% energy. Some linebackers just like to, you know, take a play off when the running back gets to the outside. This guy just goes full force. Um, Definitely a good move if he was the best guy available. Nothing wrong with doing that. And especially, like Dan touched on, if you can stash him on the IR, you have that guy 100% healthy. You never know what Hightower's going to do. So, solid pick. Belichick's just going to keep uh, adding depth to that defense because that's how he wants to win championships. All right. If we got nothing else on McGrone, uh, we can One move to thing. the sixth round. One more Go thing for on McGrone. Uh, you know, with the, another Michigan linebacker, Winovich has worked out so far. Uche has worked out so far. So I like the I like the trend that's going with these Michigan linebackers. I like what I'm seeing so far. I mean, yeah, Bill Belichick's definitely got his preferences. Alabama and Michigan. These last couple of years, we've seen a ton of guys coming from those schools. So yeah, we'll see if that Rutgers. continues. Or uh, no, Rutgers has died down since <laughs> it was it was really McCourty and Harmon. Uh, yeah, it definitely died down since then. But, you know, Alabama's obviously the strongest, but I'd say Michigan's probably next outside of mm-hmm. that. I think we took a quarterback from there, too. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, yeah some bomb, right? Moving on to the sixth round. Wait, uh, the uh, Patriots. I thought you were talking about the kicker. We <laughs> oh, did yeah. Sign we, the first undra- we did the sign. first undrafted um, signing was Very a kicker good. from Michigan. So when I heard he's uh, a bum, I was like, damn, you guys are roasting that kicker. But I heard quarterback is my First and most likely only undrafted free agent, which is so weird because we signed probably, what would you guys say, 15 last year, and then we had, like, three make the roster and make, like, fairly significant contributions with uh, J.J. Taylor, Miles Bryant, and Zuber. Um, So that's so weird to me that we've signed, like, none. I do like bringing in a kicker. We've got Folk and Roberto Aguayo right now, and then I kind of knew who this kid was. You guys might remember hearing this story and just not really, like, attaching the name to it. But when Quinn Norton, his name is, when he was coming out of high school, he was the number one kicker in his class. He was being recruited by uh, Penn State and Michigan, like, really heavily. And in order to sway his recruitment, John Harbaugh went to his house and, like, slept on the floor in his room and was like, I'm not leaving until you commit to Michigan or, like, something along those lines. Pretty weird to do for a kicker. And then he also had, like, a crazy commitment video, and everyone was making fun of him because he was a kicker. Um, but whatever. I like the move. He was – I also did a little research after. He was considered, like, one of the better kickers in this draft. So we'll see if he turns into anything. Moving into the sixth round, uh, Pat started it off by grabbing Josh Bledsoe, safety out of Missouri. Um, can't say I knew a ton about him coming into the draft. Uh, I've seen people talking about how versatile he is, um, contributions he can make on special teams. I think that's really going to be what gets him on the roster, if anything. That's another position group for us, safety. 
pretty loaded right now with Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, Devin McCourty, uh, Justin Be- or not Justin Bethel, Jalen Mills, and then you even got Cody Davis kind of filling that special teams role. So he's going to have a tough time making the roster, but what do you guys think about Josh Bledsoe? Um, I can't really say that I know too, too much about the guy. Uh, like you mentioned, we do have a pretty stacked safety room, so I think if there is a spot on the team for him, it's definitely going to be somewhere on special teams. But I guess we'll see where he's going to fit in. But uh, a lot of guys in front of him right now. Um, he's a hybrid safety, though. I read something about that he's like a linebacker slash uh, safety kind of hybrid guy. So it'll be interesting to see how Belichick, uh, you know, develops a guy like him who has that kind of versatility. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the same boat as Adam. Like, as you get late into these picks, you really uh, – you don't know too much about the player. Um, but at the same time, you just add in depth to that that position. You don't know what's going to happen with Devin McCourty in the next year or two. He might be on his way out. So maybe just – you know, you get a late guy in there, learn from McCourty, learn from, you know, hopefully – because you lost Chung as well. So just getting a young guy with all those veterans, you never know what can make up of it. So I really don't have that much. Obviously, that Belichick's just adding, you know, he's just trying to prepare for the future as well with these late-round picks, hoping that one of them, instead of his undrafted guys that he signs, 20 of maybe one of those late-round picks that we usually end up cutting and then getting so much hate on end up working out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen it almost every year that one of these, you know, late round guys ends up panning out way better than, you know, a guy we're getting super excited over. I mean, just look at Michael Nwanu this past season. So, uh, or even, you know, Jake Bailey, I remember we were getting a lot of shit for drafting a punter in the fifth round. He's now arguably one of the best punters in the NFL just two years later, definitely picked that worked out later in the sixth round. We had another pick. We grabbed William Sherman, the offensive tackle out of Colorado. This is another guy who, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I knew a ton about him coming into the draft, but I did my research once we grabbed him. I've seen that he played left and right tackle at Colorado. Um, he has some versatility where he can play guard. Um, I definitely thought we needed to look to grab an offensive lineman in this draft. Uh, we lost Tooney, um, traded Marcus Cannon. We were able to bring David Andrews back, but then, you know, bringing in Trent Brown, he's only on a one-year deal. We picked up Wynn's fifth-year option, but that's still only two years left. Um, and then you can never have too much depth along your offensive line. So overall, I'd say I was a fan of the pick. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's never a bad option to take a tackle at this point, especially the way we've seen Belichick develop late round guys in the offensive line. And they always seem to pretty much work out. Uh, and especially with the future of the tackle position for the Patriots, I know we just picked up Isaiah Wentz fifth year option, but Going forward, we're still going to need to sign him to an extension and Trent Brown after this year. His future is still kind of up in the air in New England. But uh, I think he can provide a solid backup role as a tackle, but he's going to be competing with guys like Justin Heron and Yandy Kajus for that role. But a guy who can play guard and, and tackle, kind of a versatile player, I think he'll find some way to make the team if he's good enough. So I don't hate the pick. I don't love it. I can't say I know too much about him like we, 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 like we mentioned, but I trust Bill with these offensive linemen at any point. On on when it was a six, um, I don't really think that it really matters at this point unless the guy's like a potential, like, you know, like he's unbelievable in school. I think that it doesn't take that much to develop an offensive lineman. Um, you mean I mean Adam touched on it. You needed to add guys there. 
So overall, as we get later in the picks, I come up with less uh, positive or negative news on these guys because I've never really seen them play football. So I do apologize, but I just got to be honest instead of making up a bunch of bull crap that doesn't make any sense. Fair enough, okay. and uh, you've only got <laughs> you've only got one more late round pick where you got to maybe make some stuff up unless. You know, I like, a lot no, more I like about... this one though. I like, I like right. this one though. Then we'll, then I'll hand it off to you first. Seventh round, their final pick in the draft. Patriots go wide receiver. They grab Trey Nixon, kind of similar to Sherman. I didn't know a ton about Nixon, but I really like that we went wide receiver before the end of the draft. Kev, I'll let you take this one over. So this was a special, this was Ernie Adams' last pick that he's ever doing because Ernie Adams is sadly retiring. The man behind the scenes, the secret, the god, Bill Belichick, the guy who basically helped Bill Belichick make this historic Patriots organization. And with him picking Trey Nixon with the last pick, uh, his drafting career just means that he sees a lot of potential in this guy. This is a big one. Ernie Adams has picks wide receivers, David Gibbons, Malcolm Mitchell, um, and those guys, you see Malcolm Mitchell with his injury history, but those are guys you plug in right there. Nixon, I think, is more of a slot wide receiver. He didn't his last season due to a collarbone injury, and I think that's basically why he fell. It doesn't hurt bringing in him, who I believe runs a 4-4, so you add some speed out there. So if you can maybe, if Nixon's 100% healthy, you give him a chance to Line up in the slot. You can use Myers and Bourne on the outside. You never know. It doesn't hurt taking a wide receiver at the seventh round, especially if it's Ernie's last. So I'm liking the pick. Yeah, Adam. I mean, I agree with you, Kev. Uh, like you say, it's Ernie Adams' last pick, so it definitely holds a lot of value here for us in New England. And he's got a good track record of guys in these later rounds, so – I can't say I know too, too much about Trey Nixon. I know that without his collarbone injury, I feel like his draft stock probably would have been a little bit higher. But uh, we did need a receiver, and it took a little bit, but we finally got one at the end of the draft. So overall, I think it was a great draft, and I think Trey Nixon was a great way to end it. All right, I, love, well, um, I would just like to say really quick, I would just love to point out that during this podcast, I did uh, take a little road trip to New Hampshire, and the first person that I do see is rocking a Tom Brady Michigan jersey. So shout out to New Hampshire. Wow, so not that. All right. For that, and I'll let you wrap it up. Well, before we end it, we've got a couple questions from the listeners. Uh, I pulled a couple out. Some of them we did address when talking about these prospects, but Kev, I'll give you the first one. Is Damien Harris going to be a top Thanks, 10 bro. running back this coming season? This question comes from FVCKN.Brian. Absolutely, Damien Harris can be a top <laughs> 10 running back. As long as that man can stay healthy, as long as that offensive line can stay healthy, I, there's still question marks with Trent Brown. I just think that that's one that we have to be more on because he is injury prone so I am if I'm long as long as Trent Brown can be 2018 Trent Brown and it also depends on if Mac is under center I think there's a lot of things that fold into that but from what we saw from Damian Harris last year absolutely I think he had the second highest PFF grade only behind Derrick Henry of 90 last year obviously the Patriots and Damian Harris still ended up putting up 600 yards and not even more than, like, I want to say 10 games. So, 
absolutely to him being a top 10 running back as long as everything falls into place. All right, next question here comes from Victor Hernandez. Either one of you can feel free to jump in, then I'll give my thoughts. Uh, With free agency and the draft passed, do you think our defense is better than Tampa Bay? Um, I I can't say that yet because as much as as many people as we signed and, you know, with Van Noy and Judon and Jalen Mills and all these guys, we just saw what that Tampa defense was capable of shutting down Mahomes and carrying. I know the offense and Brady was just as good, but that defense was a main reason why they were able to win the Super Bowl and, you know, beat Breeze on the road and Rodgers on the road and just have that incredible run. And they re-signed basically – actually, they did re-sign everybody, and they're stacked up and down. You know, they have some some of the be- – probably the best linebacking core in the league right now. So until I see the Patriots' defense play better than Tampa, I can't say that just yet. So I'll take Tampa's defense as of right now. Yeah, so I agree. Take the Pats Go for it, I'm going to take the Pats' defense. Defense, I just think that, you know, they – at the end of the day, last year, they were 7-9 and nine team. Their weakness was getting run on. You ended up – one of the offseason questions that we had was, were you going to trade Gilmore? What's going to happen with J.C. Jackson? They both are in – Gilmore's still on the roster. J.C. Jackson's still on the roster. We're in May. You got Jalen Mills. I think that secondary is going to be really good. I still think there's a chance that the Patriots' hot take might go sign Richard Sherman as a veteran corner in that group because you did lose Jason McCoy the Dolphins yesterday. I think that secondary is really good. We touched on what they did with that front seven, especially that front four, the defensive line. I don't really know how well Tampa is in the secondary. I did see that in the playoffs, but again, it's Bill Belichick. It's his defense. He has pieces. They're versatile. He can do so many things now, bearing any injury. They Hightower, Kyle Van Noy coming back. Scheme fit coach wise, Patriots defense will be better than this year. All right, I'll I'll give my thoughts on this. I agree with Adam here. Um, I think we definitely added more this offseason. Um, maybe had a better draft on the defensive side of the ball, but with that being said, Tampa Bay lost like nobody when everybody thought they were gonna lose at least a couple people. Um, and then they added Joe Tryon with their first round pick. I don't know how big of an impact he'll have this year, but, you know, definitely could add just as much as Barmore or Ronnie Perkins could do our defense. So for the time being, I'm going to go Tampa Bay. Another question here coming from at K underscore Fugate. Do you think trading up in the second round was worth the two other fourth round picks? I'm going to start this one because I feel like I might have kind of an interesting take here. Um, I think that the Patriots, you know, usually you see them trade back and trade up multiple times in a draft. This was the only trade they made. Um, obviously, they gave up three picks for one, so they lost those two fourths. Um, I think the Patriots were pretty aware just how loaded their roster is right now. They had a ton of draft picks, um, and I think Bill Belichick came in with a plan to at least make one trade up like this, go get a guy you wanted, and in doing so, eliminate a couple of those draft picks because you touched on it there, Kev. I tried to do a 53-man roster projection. I ended up with like 62 guys and I made some pretty big cuts. So this is going to be a really tough one for the Patriots. And if they use all three of those fourth round picks, um, I don't know that all those guys are making the roster. So I definitely think that trading up in the second round was worth it to go get our guy in Barmore. Um, And I think the Patriots did not intend to, you know, then go back and recoup those picks. I think they were fine with just letting a couple picks go. 
I agree. All right. Okay. I have nothing on that. I think we already kind of touched on that question, really, when yeah. we did touch on far more. But good trade. It was kind of surprised that it was the only trade that we did make. Uh, but other than that, well, good trade. I think it was worth it. It's a good right. problem to have, it. well. We'll end it with this one last question. It comes from CJ25. Is Bill going to get fired for the future bus that is Mac Jones? <laughs> Adam, take oh it away. I mean, what am I on, Felgram and Maz right now, dude? Oh, my gosh. No, no. This Bill's not getting fired. If anything, if Mac doesn't work out, Bill, this is, this is Bill's last run. Bill obviously is saying with this pick that, He's got another five or six years in him. He wants to develop a quarterback for the future. And is all, he always said that he wants to leave the Patriots in good hands when he's done. So I guess if this doesn't work out, he's not going to get fired. I think he's just going to retire, and that'll be the end of it. But I doubt that's going to happen because it's Mac Jones. He's a baby. Bill could have taken Davis Mills at 15, and there would be no chance of him getting fired. Kev, go ahead. I, it does. That does sound like a Felger and Mass question. Like <laughs> listening to everything about Mac Jones, and it's we've heard the oh the Patriots don't love Mac Jones. They just picked him at fifteen. Do they even like him? Why would you take him? He's not athletic. All of this garbage. Like, do you really have to love a player at fifteen? Like the guy falls to you, you take him, you work with him, you see what happens. And I hate how Patriots fans are just so proclaimed to calling Mac Jones a bust. Like, this guy is your future. And all these morons who are going to bash Mac Jones, be Cam Newton supporters, you know, we're going to hear about it all offseason. We're going to hear about it up to week one, etc. But how can you bash Mac Jones, when this is the first time that Bill Belichick's ever taken a quarterback in the first round, you should be hoping that this guy gives you 15 years of success in this league. And I hate how we bash it. All right. Seems like a pretty good spot to end it. No worries. Unless you guys got anything else, that seems like a pretty good spot to end it. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm not sure if we'll be back next week. Kind of depends how much Patriots news happens. We're going to be entering a little bit of a dead period here before uh, training camp starts up. But, you know, I'm sure some more things will come out in these next three months. The uh, the Mac Jones, Cam Newton, QB battle is going to be crazy. Hopefully we can get something better than, you know, what we got last season. That Cam Newton, Jarrett Stedham battle was hyped up. Pretty underwhelming. So hopefully we can get some entertainment this year. And uh, thank you for tuning in.